0: We have a lot of updates to old stories, which is cool. Uh the last couple of weeks we've had the Kaiten Terrorism Sushi. It says sushi terrorism, I think is what they were calling it. So it's the Kaiten Sushi restaurants. We had some kids act like dicks. Uh they lost uh Sushiro, one of the biggest Kaiten Sushi chains in Japan, a ton of money because their market share went down. Not their market share, their stock went down like 5%, cost them 12 billion yen in value. Um So they're having the reaction, they're trying to like, we gotta step it up. My family actually went to Sushiro last week. Uh, my father-in-law gave my wife money and just so that we could go out for dinner. So we went to Sushiro because kids eat a lot now. Um, you could not there was nothing on the so it was the, the the rotating conveyor belt. There was nothing on it. There was little placards with things you could order. Basically, it was just rolling advertisements. Then we would order on the, the touchpad, which is basically like a, a tablet, and the sushi would arrive on the conveyor belt. We didn't have any, there was no borders or anything, but you could see like people were kind of checking. I didn't expect anything to happen because again, this is a national story that essentially involves three teen boys. So that you got to take that into like context. Okay, anyways. The other companies are like, again, this is risking their whole livelihood, the existence of the company. So they want to put up sort of guard barriers. Only orders will come through. That's exactly the experience I just had. There's a company called Kuda Sushi, and they want to put up cameras that use AI to scan for suspicious behavior. So they're getting super high tech. The weird thing was, The AI, if it sees something suspicious, like I put my hand in and out of the conveyor belt, let's say too many times, the AI will notify the head office. The head office is then going to contact the the individual restaurant where the suspicious behavior has happened. Which I found to be a bit convoluted because you could cut out the middleman. It It sounds like you have a head office where there's a giant bank of television screens that are being AI monitored for suspicious behavior. And then like a red light goes up over here in some city. And then some guy gets on the phone. He goes, you got to touch her. Something like that. I'm not sure what they would say. They would probably come up, sushi Tero and something like that. Um, it, It seems like the AI could just notify the restaurant itself though. So the staff could like walk around and check on stuff. I don't see the need for the head office or maybe they're making a judgment call, like they're gonna review the video and then call if they feel it's necessary. I don't know about that. I was just sitting there going like, just notify the restaurant, cut out the person in the middle. There may be a reason for it. They didn't explain it very well, like beyond that. So yeah, I can't say that much. We also have a former pro gamer and streamer who has not been around for the last year because it's actually more complicated than the story made it out to be. Basically, she said, she went on stream and she said, men under 170 centimeters have no human rights. And what had actually happened. So I I don't agree with, you know, shitting on people like that. Although I shit on people all the time. So maybe I should. I think if you pointed out my behavior or something, I would be like, uh, sorry. I don't know. I'm not. I mean, often I think like apologies make it worse. I'm just going around in a circle. A guy delivered food to her apartment, like a DoorDash or Uber Eats or something. And the guy recognized her and immediately started hitting on her. She took negatively to that, went back to her stream, and basically started insulting the guy. I bet, as like a pro gamer streamer girl, she gets hit on by guys all the time and she doesn't like it. But at the same time, in Japan especially, you're using that sort of like sexuality, the attractiveness to gain your audience in the first place. So the idea that they wouldn't hit on you is almost unreasonable. I don't know. I don't know where I land on that one. If you use sex to get a primarily male audience and then the male audience takes the initiative and tries to talk to you, should you be offended? She was. So she said a couple of really shitty things about the guy, and he was maybe not that tall. She likes tall guys. So she started insulting him, and then her, her gamer base got really upset. I, I keep falling into these, these things where I'm like, I, I flip-flop back and forth. Like I, She's getting hit on. She doesn't want to get hit on. It's annoying. She just ordered some food. Leave me alone. That guy's not being professional. He's, he's delivering food, and he sees someone. He shouldn't be hitting on them but then she shouldn't go and like rip on him on stream. It's a very tough situation. I think maybe everyone's a little bit at fault, but she probably got the worst fallout. She disappeared for years. She was fired from her pro team and she hasn't streamed in the last year. Uh, She tried to make a return to streaming. She did come on and say, it was my fault for making discriminatory, discriminatory remarks, which is fair. So she's saying, like I said, some stuff. I do think the context changes it a bit. I think the guy showing up at her house and then immediately hitting on her is also wrong. And he's not getting any fallout. So if there was fallout on both sides, maybe I would be okay with it. I'm sitting here wondering, like, is it okay to shoot your shot? But I think I know the difference. If I was the Uber Eats guy, And I showed up your door. And you showed interest in me. You still shouldn't shoot your shot. No. As soon as I get to that point, it's like... I kind of want to start this whole story again. He should not have hit on her. That's basically all it is. I was trying to think back to when I was a young man. And I would hit on girls. And if I ever, like, crossed the line. I'm sure I did. I'm sure every young man... Because you don't understand boundaries yet. And you learn the boundaries as you get older. And then by the time you're old enough and mature enough to not break those boundaries, you're probably done shooting your shots at girls. Like you either have a long-term relationship or you know what you want or you know how to get what you want or something like that. And it's not a big thing anymore. I'm very torn. I maybe need I maybe need some, some input from other people. I didn't think this was going to be such a, a, a gray moral zone. I am falling firmly on the guy should not have hit on her at the door. That's actually vaguely threatening. She's in her home. So that's really, really bad. Should she have gone on stream and shit on him? Actually, I'm kind of okay with that. Only because of the negativity of the way I view that initial experience. Maybe she shouldn't have said men under 170 centimeters. Maybe she should have said this guy. And just kept it specific. Like this guy just hit on me. It was really gross. It was really unappealing. I think maybe I'd be okay with that. As long as she didn't like get him in trouble or dox him or something. I don't know. Uh, I looked up a lot. She said a lot of dumb shit. (laughs) So this is clearly how she talks. I think maybe this guy set her off. But she took it too far. I don't think I don't think she needed, she I don't know. Again, these companies they gotta fire people if they're gonna say dumb shit like that. Once you, be, you become a professional and you represent a team, you just can't say things. You can think them, and you can feel them, but you can't say it out loud. That's something that uh, famous people got to think about. This there's irony abounding. Uh, dozens of people who were taking a digital literacy course had their private information exposed to the internet. I'm not exposed to the other people in the course uh, via lax security, which I assume would have been lesson one, is make sure you have sort of network security. So one of the students found that using this, like, procedure, they could look at the text file with all the other students' information. And being able to do that, They then had access to their email accounts and stuff. So they pointed it out, they got the names and emails of everyone else who was taking the course. They pointed out, that student passes the course. Digital literacy, they've got it, they're doing it, Uh, they've got it right, they win. The company on the other hand, unless this was the test, this could have been one of those sort of meta tests, like we're gonna expose your information to the students who find it, who find out what we did and and, and try to stop it, they're the ones who pass. I get the odd feeling that's not what they were doing, and this is just one of those really crap digital literacy courses that doesn't mean anything. We have two island oriented stories, which I found it's It's always a weird convergence because if you said, Hey, find two story news stories that are relevant and current about islands on any week. I probably couldn't do it, but here then they just two of them flop into my lap. There's a company we talked about, I think last week or the week before, Uh, and they were taking investments uh, for a non-existent company that promised a 4% return every month on your investment. Eight people were arrested for this fraud. And the problem is, what they wanted to do was take the money and buy a private island and create a resort on the island So it wasn't even like they were just going to buy a private island for themselves and then just stay there. They were actually going to use it to try to make a business. They wanted to buy a private island and a cruise ship and then build a resort. And then, like, they would truck people out to the resort. It would be private, very exclusive, very expensive. And then, but I I was like, wait. They got people to invest in their fake company. Couldn't they just get the same people to invest in their actual plan to buy a private island and cruise ship? Because clearly the people investing in the fake company, where the fraud was committed, are investing, they're looking for things. This, as a business plan, we're going to buy a private island and make an exclusive resort. It's actually not a bad plan. The interesting thing to me, finding an uninhabited island, so this would be down around Okinawa, there's a bunch of little islands. You can buy an island for 80 million yen. That's $610,000. My image of buying a private island was in the millions. Just inherently. like You had to have millions and millions and millions of dollars. I think that's how Nicolas Cage... Ended up getting into trouble with the taxes and stuff. He bought islands and things. He was just spending too much money. That's why he makes like 20 movies a year now. To try to pay off the taxes and stuff. I don't know if he still has a private island. $610,000 seems achievable. Like, if I didn't have kids... I would have not that much money, but I'd have a lot of money. And if I invested that money properly, it looks like I as an individual might be able to buy a private island. I would still have to build a house on it and stuff, but if, I mean, I'd have my own island. Can you imagine this podcast if I was literally in the middle of a deserted island, like doing it outside? So I'd have to get like satellite internet or something. It'd be awesome. So like I sit in my little room, actually... I would build a house that's about the size of this room plus a kitchen in, a, in, a, in like a shower area. That would be the, the, the size of my, the scope of my mansion would be like three tiny rooms. I've realized I don't need much more than that. My, my mind is such an expanse that physical limitations mean nothing anymore. I've gone off on private island man thinking, which is the island is irrelevant. I am an island in myself. Anyways, uh, the eight people were arrested for the fraud. They didn't get their private island. I still think that the issue was don't try to cheat people to get them to invest in a company that doesn't exist so that you can take that money and transfer it to another business scheme. Introduce them to the original business scheme. Maybe that's it. Maybe people are like, why would I invest in a private island cruise ship combo when I could just invest in this company that's promising 4% return every month. That 4% return every month is a lot. If you think that rolls over every month, it's cumulative interest, that kind of thing. So that's, maybe they were over-promising. It's sort of a Ponzi scheme then because they're going to take your money and invest it elsewhere. And then maybe if they make enough money, they'll pay you back. Probably not. Anyways, I found out the price of a private island. I was shocked at how cheap they were. I know I don't have enough money to buy a private island, but I was shocked at how cheap a private island was. (coughs) Second island-oriented story. So there was a woman went on social media, a Chinese lady, and she was on an island. And she said, hey, everyone look at this island that I now own. Now, there's a couple of issues there. Chinese people in China are not allowed to own land. All land in China is actually owned by the government. So land ownership is a very big deal. So she was like getting max clout for this post. So what has actually happened? She didn't buy an island. There's, there's a, a very difficult for foreign people to buy land in Japan. Uh, I own the land that my house sits on. But because I'm married to a Japanese person and have two Japanese kids, clearly when I die, that land is going to still be part of Japan. I'm not going to like try to take it away or do something with it that was nefarious. Japan is very worried about Chinese companies buying Japanese land because they're worried about, like, if they buy X amount of property, is that now part of China? That's kind of the underlying thinking. I don't know if that's how it works, but that is the underlying thinking. So she went on social media, said she bought an island in Okinawa. It's actually a company that was run by a relative bought the island. This was very unusual. So the beaches are owned by the government. That consists of about 50% of the island. The core island itself was owned by a holding company. That holding company sold it to another company that sold it to another company that eventually sold it to a Chinese company. So this is how the Chinese company got in and was able to actually buy an island in Japan, which they're probably not supposed to be able to do, is that it passed through so many hands. I don't know if this was quick or not, but because it passed through so many entities, Maybe the government lost track of it or maybe they're just like, well, this is just being passed around as an investment and they weren't paying as close enough attention. So this woman is technically correct. The core of the island is her. The government maintains ownership over the beaches, which is going to be the most attractive part of the island. It is a question of what are they going to do with the core island? Is she just going to live there by herself, which would mean no one comes to the island to play on the beaches, which means she has essentially private beaches, even if they are owned by the Japanese government. Or is the Japanese government going to take the island away from the holding company the, company, the media company that has bought the island, that has allowed her to use it? That is a very interesting question. I am very interested in this story because is this low-key racism or is this Japan protecting itself from foreign investors? Because foreign investors can be very dangerous if you have a small country with not much land and they buy up all the land so the Japanese people can't buy it. So I'm interested in where this ends up. Because it's caused a stir in China because this woman now owns an island, which is a very attractive thing. It's caused a stir in Japan because, whoa, is China subtly trying to buy up all the islands and all the bits of Japan that they can so they can actually own Japan? Uh, That is honestly a real concern for the Japanese government. Balloon news. I guess this was inevitable. So over the last week, there was the balloon that was floating around America, the Chinese spy balloon, and it was shot down. And then it came out that over the last few years, there's been a whole bunch of Chinese spy balloons floating around America. And then a couple days ago, America shot down a Chinese spy balloon over Canada and the Canadian uh, military was going out to try to find the bits of the balloon. And China's like, hey, give us our stuff back. And everyone's like, flew it over our country. It's not your stuff anymore, so there's a little bit of a a, a tiff there. Japan came out and admitted, yes, there have been balloons floating around Japan in the same way. Uh, Primarily around the islands, just like we're talking. So technically a third island story, but that's where the military bases are. So America has military bases in Japan. China has been flying the spy balloons around them. Now, legally speaking because of Japanese laws in airspace, they say that they can shoot the balloons out of the sky. But then came up to the practical issue of could they shoot the balloons out of the sky? Because this was interesting, because the, the defense minister said the first problem is you have to get permission. So the self-defense force in Japan, it's going to be really long and difficult for them to get to the point where you can use weapons. Because the whole point of the self-defense force, the constitution that was written after World War II, is that Japan cannot have a military military So the whole point is that they're not supposed to really do aggressive stuff. Shooting stuff out of the sky is seen as really aggressive. Uh, This is also part of the controversy over the last few weeks where the Japanese government's like, self-defense, let's expand the meaning, which means we can shoot stuff in other countries as long as we don't leave Japan. That's a really, really uh, interpretive view of what self-defense means. But what the, the practicality is... Because the self-defense force does not enact a lot of these things, the self-defense force may not have the skills to actually shoot a balloon out of the sky, which I didn't think about. Because I saw the video of the American airplane shooting it out. Because you just see the balloon pop. You don't even see like bullets or anything. Because of course this is like hypersonic stuff. They're saying that maybe Japanese pilots, maybe Japanese weaponry doesn't have the same skill level, so they might actually not be able to do it. Whether or not they want to or not becomes a secondary issue. So I was thinking they should get the AI cameras from the sushi restaurants and aim them up at the sky. And if they see something, they can actually notify the head office of the sushi restaurant. And then the sushi restaurant, um, (coughs) cough, ruined my joke. A little, a little sad now. I I didn't, since this is not scripted, I didn't actually know where that joke was going to end up, but I'm sure it was going to be better if I didn't cough, so I'm just going to abandon that joke now. Just like Japan's abandoned shooting down uh, Chinese spy balloons. A gibbon is a a kind of monkey. I'm not going to get too deep into the details of what a gibbon is. But anyways, there was a gibbon in an isolated enclosure. And in February last year, 2021, Momo, a 12-year-old gibbon, got pregnant. She was in the enclosure alone. How does that happen? Is this like one of those like Jurassic Park things where you know life finds a way? They were like, we have to figure out what happens because we want to make. Sh-. I mean, it's great that the gibbon got pregnant. To be honest, because this is one that's being kept in an enclosure because of uh, you know endangerment. Oh, I just totally forgot that word for a second. Turns out that. Uh, at the time of pregnancy, there was a male gibbon, Ito, who was in the next enclosure. Now it turns out there was a nine millimeter hole between the two enclosures. They did a DNA test of the baby, so they know that the baby is actually Ito's child. So Momo and Ito got up towards this nine millimeter hole between the two enclosures and managed to do it. Now, not particularly complimentary, since we're gonna do some penis shaming, uh, to Ito there on his member, but Momo was up for it. Let's let's just be factual. Momo was up for it. Backed up to the glory hole, they both got the job done. There's no way that didn't happen without cooperation. So this was a case of completely consensual sexual intercourse, resulting in in a child that is going to be loved because that uh, the zoo is very happy that this baby's out there. It is problematic because you have an absent father. And I think the reason to that is that Momo was 12 years old. Ito was 34 years old. So that age gap is significant. So maybe we have a lot of different issues going on here at the same time. There's the age gap, the absentee father, uh, the fact that this was conceived through a glory hole, essentially. What kind of environment is this baby being raised in is really the question. But uh, still people seem happy. And if you want to rip on a gibbon... I I was, I mean, the instinct is to make a joke about a nine millimeter hole and getting your penis through there. But at the same time, man, he probably had sex more than I did that year. (laughs) There was a, a guy in Japan. I didn't write down his name. He designed a Ferrari. So he was one of the primary designers of this style of Ferrari. He owns the Ferrari that he designed. Now, guess what he was arrested for? It was not obstruction of business. He was speeding. He was arrested for speeding. Uh, he was given an eight. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I think it was he was given eight months or four months in jail time, but a suspended sentence. So basically, if he doesn't get in trouble again, he'll be fine. He was doing 128 kilometers an hour, going 88 kilometers over the speed limit. The speed limit is probably only 80, so he, he was he was like easily doubling what the speed limit should have been. He goes to court, and I was like, this guy, clearly, he designs fast cars. He loves fast cars. He's out in the open. He's driving around in the car he designed. He wants to open it up, lay it flat, see what happens. I totally understand what really happened here, as does the judge. But you don't want to go into court and go like, dude, I designed this car to go as fast as humanly possible. I wanted to see how fast it would go. You got to, you know, give him a story. So the story he gives through his lawyer is he wanted to expose the engine to fast moving air to cool it down, which is a very technical engine oriented thing to say and sounds almost plausible until you take into account or you could just slow down and the car would cool off. It's Valentine's Day. It is Valentine's today, this day, the day of recording. It is Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2023. Uh, They have a a practice in Japan called Giri Choko. So basically you work in an office and every woman in the office is obliged to give a tiny chocolate to every man in the office. Just like safe face. It's just like a show. So... Whether you like them or not, you kind of have to do it. And then next month, there's White Day. The men are supposed to reciprocate. But again, because it's obligatory chocolate, they probably don't. I always thought this was stupid. Like if you like someone, not not like in a sexual way or, or, or a lover kind of way, you just like someone as a person. I thought that would be cool. Give them some chocolate. And then next month, they give you some cookies. It's just a friendship thing. I was cool with that. But the pandemic has had a lot of people work from home. They sort of like, you know, they don't have as much contact as they did. So it's changed some of the mores and values and it's actually exposed some of the cracks in the Japanese traditional systems. Obligatory chocolate has fallen to the wayside over the last few years. And 83% of women do not want to give giri giri choco this Valentine's Day, which I 100% am on board with. Like I don't want chocolate that people don't actually want to give to me. Which is, again, also a weird thing I'm saying. When, when people in Japan go on holiday, they buy like boxes of chocolates or cookies or some kind of souvenir from the place they went to, and they give one to everyone in the office. And I often don't want them. Like I, If someone goes to America and comes back with like a, a peanut butter cup, 100% I will be eating that. Uh, but a lot of the stuff I'm just like, I don't want your dry fish cake from somewhere in Japan. You can just keep that yourself. Uh, But yeah, the the tradition of obligatory chocolate seems to be going to the wayside. Maybe they're not going to be doing as much anymore. 8.2% of women will give the Giri Choco this year. So that's guaranteed. That's only 8% out of all the people they surveyed. 74.5% in the low 20s age group uh, said they don't want to as they got a little older, so in their twen- like late to 20s, early 30s and up, it went to 80 to 90% said no. 70-year-olds, so basically the older women get, the less they want to give giri giri choco, which I totally understand. 61.4% of men are not happy to get it anyways. So you have more than half of the men are like me and don't want your giri giri choco. You have a mass majority of women don't want to give it this seems ripe for let's just get rid of this practice. This seems really silly that we're still doing it at all. It's almost like it wouldn't be an Engineers Japan without like a creepy story, but this one had a lot of elements. So I have honestly not stopped, but a less creepy guys stories because most of them are not giving me anything interesting to talk about. We've actually hit. You have to do something really weird now for me to actually notice. Once we got to the 50 year old men section for it was like six months or something, it was fifty year old men doing something creepy. We had the guy get down on his hands and knees and lick a girl's shoe, just like apropos of nothing. That that's now that's now my new barrier. If you can't be weirder than that, you don't get on the show anymore. So someone, some fifty year old man out there is really like, well, what can I do to get really weird to to get on Engineers Japan? A polyamorous 74-year-old man, he has eight ex-wives in total who all live together, so I assume in the same house, didn't kidnap a girl. They attempted to brainwash a girl. Uh, It was a bit vague on the age. So that makes, makes me feel like she's probably under 18. This was in order to commit sexual assault at a later date. So they they convinced this girl that they were psychics. And they said, come to our house to consult a fortune teller. They lured her into the house and showed her images of aliens and told her that she would be abducted by aliens if she didn't comply. The girl believed them, said, I will come back at an undisclosed later date. Talk to her family about this experience she had and how worried she was probably about getting abducted by aliens. And she had to go back and bang the 74-year-old man to make sure the aliens don't abduct her. The family are like family and friends are like, maybe that's not true. You should call the police. She did, and then the police showed up. (laughs) I I don't know enough about brainwashing to know how this works. I think. Luring the woman in to consult a fortune teller already demonstrates a certain mindset of believability. Because if you said, Peter, come get your fortune told, I might do it for entertainment, but I would not believe it. Whereas this sounds like this young woman actually believes in fortune telling, which means she's equally likely to believe in other fantastical things like aliens. In which case she maybe is more susceptible to being brainwashed. But this didn't even sound like brainwashing. It sounded like they're, like, weird threats, weird, vague threats. And if you don't come back... And again, I I would like to know... My first question would be, like, how does banging you, the 74-year-old man, stop the aliens from coming to abduct me? Like, just explain the relationship there. Like... Is something you do to me make me make the aliens averse to, to abducting me in the first place? Do you imbue me with a chemical or some kind of superpower shield that stops the aliens from abducting me? It seems like banging a 74-year-old man isn't going to stop aliens from abducting me at all. It seems like these two things might not be related. I'm glad that she didn't get abused. I mean, they were already pushing it. Just getting her in the house was already really risky and stuff. But I think the sentence, polyamorous 74-year-old man who lives with eight ex-wives and his current wife, so nine women in total, I kind of wanted to take a look at him. Like, is he stylish? Is he cool? Is he one? Because a lot of times these, like, cult leaders, this is one step away from cult. These cult leader dudes, they're all shaggy and weird looking, but they must be convincing. They must be charming somehow. Oh, have you seen the picture? I guess, I guess at seventy four you're just not pulling like you used to. I guess if you hit the point where you have to brainwash people, uh, Mister Warmans has just put in the chat. He's fat, bald, and ugly. Well, I mean, you just described me. So you know, <laughs> it is it is the charisma element. I I'm always interested in that part of these stories because what is it about them that makes them attractive? The eight ex-wives are still hanging around. That is already weird to me. That you would have eight women who all find you attractive enough just to stay in your presence. Because normally there would be tension between the women. I don't know if there is or not. I don't know what his household is like. And yet here he is having these women help him bring in more women to the fold. So I'm interested in what that... uh, I said about it being like a cult to my wife too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it has to be, I kind of want to know what the cult leaders do because this story is so fantastical that it's inconceivable to me that someone would believe it. But here we have a clear example of someone who did believe it. And I think, yeah, the opening the door is if you believe in fortune telling, you're going to believe a lot of stuff. So then we can see how far we can push it and see how easily you can be manipulated. Uh, In the future, basically what I would like to say is, Aliens aren't real. The fortune telling is not real. So if someone tries to lure you in with that, I'd just say no.